All right. Good morning. We are live on YouTube. We want to bring in our Facebook family in here. That's Atlanta Falcons fans on All Falcons. You can actually find that at All Falcons ATL on Facebook if you happen to be looking for them. About 16,000 strong now or so right in that neighborhood. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Falcons podcast. This is a victory Monday after a long holiday week weekend with a nice victory coming off the bye week over the New Orleans Saints. Um, Nick and I were talking because we go from here, we go and do the, the the Broncos for breakfast, and we think this may be the first time in our three years of doing these podcasts that the Broncos and Falcons have actually won on the same day. Um, I can't believe that would be true, but I just I can't remember a feeling. Okay, usually we have to talk up one team, talk down the other, uh, keep people from from coming off the cliff. But I think this is going to be a pretty good victory Monday all around on uh, on these channels. Nick, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing pretty well. I have an early meeting this morning, so that's why I'm uh, already in semi work attire, showered, all good to go. So I've been up since 4:50 a.m. this morning, uh, but uh, doing well, ready for. Uh, Ready for a good week. Uh, excited for the Broncos and Falcons, obviously both winning and the college football uh, conference games this weekend as well. So, I mean, there's some Oregon, Washington. You, uh, we'll see how Iowa does against Michigan, but also uh, Wash, uh, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, a lot of good games, a lot of fun. This may be the first time in the Pac-12 championship games history that somebody other than the teams involved will watch on a Friday night for watching that game. So I'm actually pretty excited about that game too. That one. That one's basically a, a quarterfinal game, which is, you know, how it should be, how the how they uh, how those championship games should be. I am absolutely against rematches for that. To, if you don't win your championship games, like, well, how do you decide this? Well, if you don't if you don't win your champ, you're you cannot be a national champion if you're not a conference champion. Anyway, we're here to talk NFC South division leaders, and we go live every Monday and Wednesday at nine a.m. because we like to have the interaction with y'all, with the, the Falcons Nation out there. Um, so we want to say hello to some folks, especially guys like John Harrell, who are coming and supporting the show nice and early with a super chat. Remember, super chats and Facebook stars are the most direct way you can support this show like John has just done. He says, good morning, Scott, and Nick and the Falcons family dropping dimes and pick six. Yeah, how? Well, I mean, you can say it, it's a game changing play right at the outset. What was that the, the Saints second drive? But it was. Of you know the Saints go up two scores there. That team starts to, I don't know if they would would turn in on each other, but they're the, the, the Falcons team has been really they've played hard under Arthur Smith in his tenure, which is what I really like. But this team was on the precipice, Nick. After losing three in a row, you come down and and just get you know have two scores come right against you and instead of instead of uh, ten three or ten zero. It's all of a sudden, flip it around at 7-3, and the Falcons are in charge, and that dome is rocking. Huge play from Jesse yeah. Bates. Yeah, an incredible game from Jesse Bates all around. I mean, not only the amazing interception, you know, reading that play all the way, uh, picking off uh, Derek Carr. I think he was reading off that Okuda coverage on the other side there and cut it off and took it for a touchdown in the peanut punch uh, that we saw from Jesse Bates. Uh, I've been fortunate in uh, Broncos country to watch a lot of good safety play over the last, you know, six, seven years with uh, Justin Simmons there. And Jesse Bates is playing as good as any safety I've watched in the NFL level in a long time. Um, he's just, it's an unbelievable impact on the game, the turnovers, the physicality he's bringing, uh, the explosiveness, uh, man, all pro for sure. In my book, anybody who doesn't say Jesse Bates is an all pro, uh, we need to fight. He's having an no, incredible yeah, they're season. They're not watching. 
And yes. that, that happens when you're playing on a team like the Falcons, unfortunately. You know, when you see yeah. Chris Lindstrom ranked as like the number seven guard, you're like, okay, I understand the Falcons aren't very good, but don't take it out on the individuals, please. Uh, you know, Chris Lindstrom is is pretty darn good. Um, Brad Clark comes in, you know, he says, Jesse Bates is phenomenal. I'm praying we can sign him to a bigger contract. He's he's under contract. I think he's got a five-year deal. You got We're it. okay in Atlanta yeah. with Jesse Bates here for a while. Um, I wanted to see the snap counts, but there weren't available yet this morning for me on, uh, on, on pro football reference, just to see how many snaps Richie Grant took versus DeMarco Hellams. Cause that mm-hmm. was another thing that changed. And Arthur Smith touched on it after the game, as you saw some bigger packages in there, including DeMarco Hellams, including Trey Flowers, who came up with a big stop uh, towards the end of the game, a, a bigger, more physical corner. When you're not too worried about the passing game, you can do that. You can go, you can get big. Um, which I think was was helpful. Derek Carr wasn't on his game, and then frankly, after Olave went out, and that was pretty obvious. I, I tweeted that right away when he went down on the back of his head. I'm like, he's done. He's done for the day. Unfortunately, that has concussion protocol written all over, and it it, it did. Yeah. Um, hoping he recovers quickly. Uh, that's a shame. He's a he's a bright young talent, and uh, like seeing him out there playing. Um, Mark Wilson came in. Saying with a little with a little support on Facebook on, on YouTube as well, ten dollars super chat. Thank you, my friend. We certainly appreciate that. Helps keep the lights on and keep my mm-hmm. forehead nice and shiny. Now you can see Nick's shiny forehead today for a change, with no hat on. Victor's in here. He says hello, Scott. Nick, Dirty Birds, always great to beat the Saints. And even with the feeling that we got our identity back, I'm still not confident in Arthur Smith's work. Am I being too demanding? Do you think he's being too demanding and in, in Still poo-pooing Arthur Smith uh, after this win. No, I don't think you're being too demanding because one win, it feels great. I know these this game means more uh, with the Saints being your most hated rival. I mean, you could feel the disdain for each other on this game. It was fun to watch uh, as an observer. But uh, I don't think you're being too harsh on Arthur Smith because this team is still playing below expectation and the talent level they have this season and the the waffling of the quarterback you know some some games that you should have you should have probably won that slipped through and so broader sample size you can still be a little upset but luckily we still have oh, it's freezing up on me a little bit the morning all in his morning our... internet hasn't quite woken up yet you you, you glitched out on me just a sec nick um and calder comes and he says i still want him fired let's move on and get a fresh start here's kind of where i am on this but i don't know if it's possible nick I want him fired from offensive coordinator and play caller. I still don't mind him as head coach. Again, at the end of the day, these guys play hard for him. Your man management is probably the biggest part of your job. Unfortunately, when you're also the offensive coordinator and play caller, that becomes the biggest part of your job. I don't know how tied to the hip they are with Dave Ragone. I don't know if Dave Ragone is any good. We don't know if Dave Ragone is any good. I don't mind Arthur Smith as the head coach. I don't want him as play caller and offensive coordinator. I saw enough yesterday, even in a win, you know, you're doing stuff like overloading the line left and then running a slow developing option read to the right on fourth and short. I mean, that's dude, come on. It took three quarters for him to decide, Hey, you know, when we run right behind Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom, we're pretty good. Uh, yeah, 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 you are. Um, even towards the end when they're just trying to kill the clock, and you know, run out some time to get that 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 basically two score field goal. Why are you why are you carrying the ball with the guy who puts the ball on the turf about every third time he gets hit with Desmond Ritter? Don't. 
I, I mean, I think I text you or, or my buddy Jason at the time, run right, run right, run right until you either score or you hit fourth down and kick a field goal. Then very next play, it's like a QB draw. What, Dude, come on, man. I would, I've, I've been one of your bigger fans through the years, but it's getting awfully hard to defend Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator slash play caller. Yeah, I thought this was a game still. I mean, I'm definitely with you on the running Desmond Ritter at that point. I, I kind of like it early in the game, you know, get him hit a little bit, you know, get the uh, adrenaline uh, kind of running. Like once you get hit, a lot of guys say like, okay, now I'm in the game. I don't mind it too early uh, for the quarterback. But that at that point, you know, trying to salt the game away and putting Ritter out there with his fumble history, uh, definitely a concern for Arthur Smith. This was the greatest hits game, though. I really liked a lot what we saw. I mean, Cordell Patterson was an energy guy out there. Welcome I mean, that Cordell Patterson. Oh, man, so much fun. Uh, they were just spamming Drake London in the past game. Probably maybe one of the best games he's had in a bit in a Falcons uniform. It just felt like every big uh, pass was going to number five out there. And uh, just the overall usage of the running backs in general. I mean, typically you could come out of a game like, oh, I wish we'd gotten more touches from this guy or this guy. I felt pretty good with the overall uh, design and em- points of emphasis in this game. So I agree with you. Maybe it is too much for the, just Arthur Smith, the head coach to be the offensive coordinator as well. Uh, especially in an era where you're seeing staffs get bigger and bigger because of the responsibilities and demands. Uh, it's nice to have some of that load off, but overall, this is a game where you have to feel pretty good about it. And this was a damn good saints defense coming into. I think that's something we talked about it on here, but they were number two in the NFL coming in against the run this season. And the Falcons ran pretty much as they wanted to in 5. this game. 5.6 yards per carry for 221 yards. Yeah, I mean, that's it's hard to it's hard to come out of this game and be like, you know what, Arthur Smith is not getting it done. Maybe the broader sample size, yes, but this one, this was a damn good game from them overall. Michael Ranquillo from Arizona says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Appreciate you being here, Michael. And Mark Wilson had a comment to go with his super chat. He says, good morning, Falcons family. Good win. Looks like Smith. I'm glad this is a thing because we've been saying this for two years now. Smith hit the effort button. Now Ritter has to stop giving the ball away. Yeah, we say at, at some point during every game, Smith hits the effort button. We're just going to run it down their dang throats. You see it. <laughs> it's just, you know, when and, and it usually happens after Ritter gives the ball away or Mariota gives the ball away or the, the ineffective. It's like, I want to be balanced. I really do. And, you know, that throw from Ritter for the touchdown of Bijan was a thing of beauty. It, mm-hmm. it really was. It was in pressure. It was sidestep, sidearm, well-placed, good read, know where your hot routes are. You know, I've got I've got a, a wheel route open. Uh, that was a beautiful throw. That said, you know, I came out of this game thinking, you know what? I, I don't want Arthur Smith calling plays anymore, and I just don't think Desmond Ritter is it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, ready to put a final verdict on it, but I'm still really looking hard at quarterbacks in the first round, Nick. And if the right guy uh, is available in the off season, I'm still going that direction. Yeah. He hasn't shown enough yet, but we, like we always been saying, this is a marathon, not a race. We still get to figure out five, six more games of Ritter here and he'll have a chance. So the offense looked a lot more functional. And again, this was a very good uh, saints defense. He didn't take any sacks in this game. Uh, The, Interception in the red zone is one where it's like, God bless it. Like the, I'm sure the EPA swing on that was horrible. You know, like just, you got to know the situation there. A young quarterback still, you're going to have that sometimes. I didn't mind the other interception as much to Tyron Matthew on the left hash, uh, you know, being aggressive. That was just a damn good play um, overall, it's but staring a guy down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's still not moving a guy off your eyes. And if it, it, with using your eyes and, 
And Nick, this was a matchup that really favored the Falcons. And why do I say that? It's because the Saints pass rush is actually even worse than the Falcons pass rush, as hard as that is to believe. Uh, they only have 18 sacks on the year. The Falcons have 21. I think they're like, you know, 29 and 31 in the NFL in, in sacks this year. Uh, Pamela Johnson says, good morning. Happy Monday. Scott and Nick, always good when you beat your arch rivals. Always great when you're here, Pamela. We appreciate you, you being here. Nick, I have a question for you. The Falcons, I picked the Falcons to win this game. Hmm. The Falcons had lost three in a row. You know I'm a cynical SOB. Why would I have picked the Atlanta Falcons to win this game? Because Derek Carr does what Derek Carr does. Because I, I, the Saints aren't very good. Yeah, I'm, especially, yeah. And the, the key stat in this one, Scott, just real quick, 0 for 5 in the red zone by the defense uh, for the Saints. They get down there five times, which is only on, I think, 10 drives. So half of their drives got into the red zone. I'm sure the success rate for the Saints in this one was not very good. Uh, but 0 for 5 in the red zone. You want to talk about Ben don't break. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I, I, I was on a saints podcast last week and I picked the game 21, 20 Falcons. And I said, no, that can't be right. Cause you're not going to go a whole game without young way. Koo kicking a field goal. And they go, maybe he kicks seven. And I was like, you're on to something. Well, hell then as we're watching this game develop, that was the saints. I'm like, the saints mm -hmm. are going to kick seven freaking field goals on this. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of been the hallmark of this Falcons defense, the bend but don't break, which you don't particularly like because it doesn't give your offense as many chances. Um, and if your offense isn't very good and they don't get a lot of chances, they're not going to score a lot of points. So three points at a time can beat you. But, you know, when you've got Jesse Bates coming in and then forcing turnovers, you're not giving up three points every time. You're 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 scoring on your own and, and doing um, doing those type of things and getting those stops with zero points. Uh, as well. Jordan Brown and good morning, Scott and Nick. Not perfect, far from uh, what we've seen. Uh, definitely the defense was fire and strong. Absolutely. Jordan Keith Robbins is here. Says good morning, fellas. Nope. Nick's all showered and clean and fresh this morning, getting up at four o'clock a.m. to be with us. Uh, Brad Clark, good day. What a great win yesterday. Most important game of the year so far. And the Falcons delivered a W. Let's keep it rolling. Okay. So, like I said, the uh, I, I picked this. Because this, I picked the, the Falcons at home coming off a bye because the Saints stink. They're, they're not very good. This doesn't mean the Falcons are very good either. As you know, I asked y'all last week, it was one of my themes, how long will the good feelings last after a win for either of these teams who were both kind of on the same path, uh, underachieving to a certain extent? You've seen Nick coming in here. It's like, yeah, that was great, but I, I'm still ready to move on from Arthur Smith. Like the win. Still ready to move on from Arthur Smith. The good news for Arthur Smith, Nick, one, two, three, four, five, six games to change that narrative. Six games. They, if you, they can play to their potential. They'll likely, they could win all six of these games. I know that sounds crazy when you're five and six, but again, at Jets, Buccaneers, Panthers, Colts, at Bears, at Saints. Which team looks unbeatable on there? It's 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 the softest schedule the Falcons will ever see. At Saints, at Bears, those last two games are probably your toughest games. Yeah, I mean, Colts are feisty right now, too. They just keep winning. Uh, they looked pretty good against the Buccaneers this last week. But, yeah, that isn't a, what is it, only one playoff team in the uh, in that gauntlet of games. So you definitely have a chance to turn the narrative around and have some confidence going into the postseason. Yeah, I know it's Colts. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> The Colts are the only team that's in a that's, playoff spot on the rest of your your roster right now. And that's exactly they're overachieving like crazy too. 
Yep. But, uh, you know, you just keep stacking those games, and maybe this is a team that's a sacrificial lamb in the wild card round, but you will have a home playoff game thanks to the NFC South. And if you get in, anything can happen. It's not like the baseball where, you know, wild card teams win left and right, but but still, you can get in, and you have to learn how to win and get that experience. I think that does matter. So a long way to go still, but chipping away, and it's definitely better to be on this end of things than on the Saints' end uh, as we sit here on Monday morning. Rusty Morse is still not feeling great. Ritter is still a backup. Took another elite game from JB3 to sneak past a bad team. If your best chance of winning is to keep the ball out of your QB's hands, that's problematic. Yeah, and he threw the ball 21 times, had two interceptions. The Falcons ran over 40 times. So it was a 33. It was a 2-1 to split in favor of the running game, which is, which is okay if you get the lead, and they did. And they needed to keep it. And you, again, this team is built to play with a lead. You can't do that when you're turning the ball over. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the difference here was the, the Saints turned it over first that directly turned into seven points. And all of a sudden, the Falcons are playing with a lead. You know, um, it wasn't just an elite game from Jesse Bates. How about the uh, ex Saint? Caden Ellis had a pretty good game, too, Nick. Yeah, he did. He was flying around. Uh, there's one play where he missed, uh, but overall, a pretty good game from the defense. Uh, this was getting after Derek Carr, I think. Uh, Bud Dupree, I really like the aggressiveness from the uh, the calls as well. We saw a lot of fun uh, blitz looks uh, from Nielsen in this game. Defense played well. I mean, you hit Derek Carr, and he eventually you know, turns into a, a worm enough times. So we kind of saw that this week with Derek Carr. So, yeah, defense played great. And Ellis, good to see Ellis out there. And uh, we'll continue to see what they look like. I mean, the pass rush still, it's not one where you're getting pressure organically a lot. It does look like a defense that's lacking. The horses up front, as we've talked many times, but they are able to generate pressure uh, schematically. And if they can win on first and second down and get those third and longs, you can get into some of those exotics and generate pressure. You say that, but they they were sending five guys and not getting any pressure. Um, You know, they had three quarterback hits in the whole game. One sack. Um, A lot of that is car, though. I mean, you're forcing him to get rid of the ball. He's one of the lowest hit great quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, but a lot of it is he's standing in the pocket and he's got time, even with a five-man rush. And it's tough. I mean, they've had a full – I mean, everybody gets injured and stuff, but if they had a full array of weapons, it may have been a little different. may not. Derek Carr is erratic. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a questionable decision to send him all that money from the get-go. And I think that's one of the things I saw as part of the commentary yesterday. It's like, hey, our our quarterback might not be very good, but at least we're not paying him $40 million a year. And there's something to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I went, We didn't read that one from Edward. Edward Brown coming in. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. He says, was Ritter responsible for the interceptions or the receivers? The uh, the, the second one was definitely on him, um, 100%. You're staring down your receiver on the left. Side. I think it was Van Jefferson over there. I don't remember for sure. Uh, and Tyron Matthew, a safety, is in one-on-one coverage on the outside and is just sitting on the route, just sitting on it, sitting on it, sitting on it. And then you threw it a little too uh, inside. You know, if you're gonna miss on that, you gotta miss, you gotta miss high or you gotta miss wide. You cannot come back inside with that ball. And he did. So that was a poor throw. The other one was it looked like in uh who was it? Was it Moose Johnson had the game? I think he did a pretty good job of calling that. He says, This just looked out of sorts from the get-go. Um, where it looked like it should have been more of an angle route that came in from from Bajan Robinson, and he just kind of cut it off and and sat or didn't get there, and then you floated it over. But again, I'm asking. Why are you throwing the ball over the middle and into that type of traffic anyway at at that point? And I think it was like, it's probably first down. I'm like, run the damn ball, man. 
you know, where's where's that six six guy you drafted? You know, to to at least try a fade. It's it's more high percentage than that pass. So again, for me, that comes into play calling. Um, there's a lot of blame to go around on that, but you know, at the end of the day, if you dump a short pass over the middle into a, the arms of a, a a defender, it's on you. You know, that's that's not like, hey, you were supposed to go long and you ran it, you cut it off at twenty yards. You know, and that's a timing throw. You're, there's a lot of blame to go around for that one, the, the the first interception. The second one, I'll have to go back and watch it because you had me questioning it a bit, but I thought that the effort by the receiver there was rather pitiful. Um, maybe you shouldn't have thrown that, but that was just came over the top of him. You got to at least get in the damn way. Uh, I thought that was, you know, let's see some basketball skills out there from whoever the receiver was on that. Uh, again, maybe not a good throw, but it was just too easy uh, for Tyron. They, they know that. Why are you throwing against, you know, Tyron uh, Van Jefferson against the honey badger anyway? You know, th- no. that's, that's part of it also is know your matchups when you're out there. You know, you said it last week, the, the guy with the, the worst EPA per route in the NFL is Van Jefferson. Mm-hmm. You can't do yep. any better than him out wide. Come on. Yeah. That's again, that comes down to coaching. That comes down to all, all kinds of different things. Edward appreciates you for, uh, for the super chat. Um, you know, some of the some of the other good things you mentioned, Drake London, uh, Bijan Robinson. I will not stand for any more Tyler Algier slander on my timeline or anywhere. Uh, Tyler Algier is a hell of a running back. If Bijan is not getting the ball enough, blame Arthur Smith. Do not take it out on Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier is a good back. He is a weapon for this team. 40 carries split between Bijan, Tyler Algier, and uh, and Cordero Patterson is nice. That's that's a good way to be. Yeah, uh, I thought, again, this was one where Arthur Smith was mostly in his bag with the running back uh, usage distribution. Tyler Algier only had 10 carries, but 64 yards, 6.4 yards per carry. Bajan, 16 carries for 91 yards. Patterson's eight carries. I mean, each of these guys averaged over 5.4 yards per carry. Uh, he also got Bajan working in the pass game as well, three receptions for 32 yards. Uh, and this was, again... The Saints defense came into this game number two in the NFL in EPA per rush this season, and you made them look like a average unit up front there with what you were doing. I thought Bergeron had a really good game. Uh, they weren't exactly running behind him, but his athleticism was shown consistently climbing to the second level. And uh, McGarry slash uh, Lindstrom, just a phenomenal game. So, uh, yeah, I would not – this is a tough game. Obviously, it's for the division lead. And that was a pretty good Saints defense that you did pretty well against. And again, it's another game where you left points on the field uh, with the turnovers there in the red zone from uh, Desmond Ritter. So not always pretty, but effective and something you can build on going forward. Um, Dave says, while we don't quite know what Bryce Young is, it's very important for the Falcons to find a franchise quarterback. I agree. I think the Bucks, Saints, and Falcons draft quarterbacks in 2024 could be like the AFC South. Uh, the turnaround the AFC South had this year is really, really nice. I feel like there are four big decisions to be made for two teams, head coach and quarterback, and both the Texans and the Colts seem to have hit. Now, Anthony Richardson's been been banged up, but he looked really good before he came out. And frankly, I trust Shane Steichen with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, D'Amico Ryans looks like a hit in Houston. C.J. Stroud looks like a home run in Houston. Um, now, those were picks two and four. The Falcons, and I don't think anybody from the NFC South is going to be picking that high since the Panthers have uh, gotten rid of that one. But there's some quarterback talk in here. I want to say hello to Tyreek real quick. He says he's thankful for Jesse Bates. And then Ryan Adonis, 
Good to see you, Ryan. He says, I think Falcons draft a mid-round first or a high second quarterback in the draft. We'll see. I, I'm with you on that one. Just see if, if it's going to come down to, is there an edge they like versus a quarterback they like? And I, I think that's where it, it comes because Chris is on the same page here. How are you doing, Chris? He says, do y'all think that at the very least some serious competition for Ritter would help his development overall play? Because I think we discovered that Taylor wasn't serious competition. Improved play calling would definitely help the team if nothing else. So, yeah. Nick, I, I don't think it's necessarily the competition. I, I think Ritter is enough of a professional, enough of a hard worker that it's not the competition that's going to push him. I don't think he's not the one that strikes me as getting complacent. Mm-mm. I just don't know if he's he's the guy. I don't know if he's going to be the guy. Um, and he's enough an so that I would use some premium resources on another quarterback and may the best man win. And he's also not toolsy enough overall. Like he's got a fine arm. He's a good enough athlete, but it's not like he has this like home run trait where it's like, you're going to let him hopefully figure it out. You're not going to give him as much time to figure it out because everything clicking with Ritter doesn't look like, you know, prime Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so again, he can, if he can be efficient, if he can just tur- turn down the turnovers on this one and be a little bit more game manager and use those legs uh, to create when he needs to, then that's great. But I mean, that last, that touchdown drive, that touchdown pass to Bijan Robinson showed a little bit of that playmaking ability. So again, is he the odds of him being the guy at quarterback? Not high. You're probably taking, looking to bring in somebody to compete with for him this off season. Maybe you're looking to outright replace him. Uh, but book's not completely written on him just yet as well. And definitely more excited about the direction and the possibility of Ritter than what we saw from Taylor Heineke. So we'll get to the off season and we'll know, and we'll have a chance to talk a lot about quarterbacks, but there is still a very possible reality where Ritter is once again, the guy next season, he plays a lot better down the stretch and it's, it seems rather simple. You just take care of the damn football and good things are going to happen. Yeah. And, and uh, Kenny coming in, he's from, from Colorado and he's proud of his Colorado man. Nate Landman is playing well for you guys. He reminds me of Josie Jewell with his nose for the ball and his instincts. Nate Landman has done a very, very good job of stepping in and starting. Um, I, I think the loss of, uh, Troy Anderson has hurt some of the things that Ryan Nielsen would have liked to have done with pressure from his, his linebacker position, the inside linebacker position, because Nate, uh, Troy's a hell of an athlete. Caden mm-hmm. had seven sacks last year and they're being used to be more mop-up guys. They're not, they're not as much on the attack. Um, but yes, Nate Landeman has been a very big addition to this team. He's been, he's helped a lot and, and you can see why they weren't necessarily afraid to let Rashawn Evans go the way, the way Landeman has been playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he was a tackling machine at Colorado and with, NFL teams playing so much nickel and dime and light boxes nowadays. You need your linebackers to be stout as heck in the run game and, you know, fill, uh, being able to eat up runs between the boxes with less bodies in there. And Landman does a pretty good job with that. A uh, big guy as well. So it's not always, you know, smaller, faster out there all the time. It's guys who are so good in the run defense that you can play more defensive backs out there. Uh, so that's one thing that Landman's bringing. I don't know if I would say he is Josie Jewel. Josie, I think, gets a little bit of a bad rep uh, as far as the athleticism. His testing numbers are actually pretty good uh, overall outside the 40. The jumps and the uh, the agility drills are good. But Landeman's been good. I'm excited to see what the defense looks like next season when you have Ellis and Anderson out there, given how much the Falcons are using pressure looks and two linebackers with that 
athletic profile with their ability to get after the quarterback or drop into coverage should be a lot of fun with how much cover your Scott simulated pressures we're seeing in today's NFL right now. Uh, it's the, definitely the flavor of the, the year, but uh, yeah, Vandeman's playing good football and you need guys like that to step up because injuries happen. Joe Cannon. Good to see you. So you say great morning earlier and I I've missed it. So I'm glad I caught this. Uh, this one as well. And talking about Desmond Ritter, he's a third round pick. It's not like we're dealing with Bryce Young and his terrible play as the number one overall pick. Exactly. Um, you know, you get more benefit of the doubt. You get more investment. You get a longer leash when you're the number one overall pick, especially, and that's what made it so strange with uh, with Trey Lance. God, you want to talk about the exception. Um, especially when you put two first round picks into a guy that could be two number one overall picks into Bryce Young. Um, but you 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 you've put enough investment in that you got to see that pay off, um, and no, you're you need more competition for Desmond Ritter, and it doesn't hamstring your team if Ritter is a backup. Meaning, when you've got that much invested in a player, you you have to get a return. Well, a third round pick for a that is a backup quarterback, you know, and he's making you know what one and a half million maybe next year, you know, so he's he's not even getting good backup money next year. It's a it's a nice investment, but even if he's out playing his draft status, it's still the most important position in all of sports, except maybe a starting pitcher. Um, you you have to get a good return if you want to be a playoff team and a legitimate playoff team, not just to eke out a couple of wins here and there and eke into the playoffs that eight and nine because you're in the NFC South. Yeah. I mean, got to keep building them right to And I see a lot of questions in here about the quarterbacks uh, guys. I Desmond, uh, Jaden Daniels, specific questions. Uh, Scott will be down in mobile. This Jaden Daniels is getting a lot of love from Atlanta Falcon from Falcons country here. And he's been really fun. Uh, I obviously LSU season hasn't gone the way they wanted. So what have they been doing? They've been, you know, spamming the box score a tad, trying to get Jaden Daniels in the Heisman conversation. Uh, but he, I think he has the most explosive plays from a quarterback in college football history this year uh, would, over Joe Burrow, um, who's the next highest. Uh, so he's been unbelievable there. We'll see what happens. He's he's an interesting quarterback because he is, A, he's older, uh, and he's a pretty good athlete, but, man, he is wire thin, which does scare me a bit. But, Scott, you're going to have a chance to see him live. Uh, luckily, I saw he took his uh, senior bowl invite. Hopefully, he will continue uh, yeah, to I'm be on Bo Nix is down there. I think Spencer Rattler is down there. So we yep. should have some decent quarterbacks down at the senior bowl. I get, I get to watch them, and you get to watch them. So I'll have uh, I'll have all of those, all of their throws, not all of them, but most of their meaningful throws on video for, uh, for our viewers here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Brown is going to probably be the last question of the day unless we get some super chats come in to keep us around. He says, who do you think the dark horse player was yesterday? The unsung hero, so to speak. Not a lot of red recognition, but huge to the win. Who would you say that guy was, uh, Nick? Gosh, this is going to be almost just off of vibes on this one, but he was kind of a forgotten man. But when he's out there, you feel him. And that is Cordell Patterson. Uh, just, I mean, just the energy that he brought. So screaming, you know, after the, the, the mic's picking him up on the sideline, uh, he's obviously still a skill position. So not totally underrated, but the energy that he brought, I mean, it just felt different after he started to get the football and the, the Falcons went into almost like an attack mode with the run game after that. That just, it felt like an energy switch uh, for them. So I'm going to go with Cordell Patterson. Um, pretty amazing. I'm sure there's, couple defensive players as well given what the falcons did in the red zone uh but uh man cordell patterson's just been 
an energy player. He's he is Mr. Falcon through and through on this team to me. And what a big game from him just in a small amount of touches. I felt his impact. I love the dude. Um, I remember last year um, he said something is like, oh, and I don't remember what the context was, but it was maybe uh, fantasy football. He wasn't playing or something. He's like, that's the only time I ever hear from any of y'all is when thing, and, and I'm not doing well for fantasy. And then I think everybody flooded his, his DMs saying, hey, we love you, man. Might be a good time to show Cordero a little love because I, I felt a little bad for CP going into this point. It was great to see him get out there and make it the, the type of impact that we know he is capable of making um, and, and getting that chance. So he, he, I don't know if he'll be here next year, but I'm certainly glad he is there next this year. If you look at the box score, I'm going to say a unit. You're not going to see much out of this. And that's kind of the unsung hero you're talking about. The interior defensive line play, Taquan Graham, Contavious Street, and Albert Huggins, non-starters who have stepped up and had to play starters roles with the loss of Grady Jarrett and, and David Onyemata being banged up, I thought are doing good work in the middle for what they are being asked to do, for what their role is on this team. I think those guys are playing really, really well. Um, yeah. I didn't want to get back. Actual- Parker Hesse being back. Hello, Parker, know. putting a guy in the seats. I see you out there. I love Parker Hesse. I mean, Iowa Hawkeye. Yeah, I don't have to go down the path with him, but a defensive end at Iowa flipping to fullback and tight end getting done. I mean, that's just a that's just a football dude out here. We got out of your Falcon mind coming in and said, "Good morning, Victory Monday feels that much better when it's a win over the Saints." I won't even say the S on that one. It was good, uh, and also one more Scott. I just had his name and then it escaped from me. The Alabama six round safety, um, him getting Helms. The Marco Helms. Uh, that was another unsung guy. Uh, I know that. Maybe Richie Grant watched there. I know that we saw Richie Grant in there as well. He had a good uh, pass breakup in the fourth quarter. But Helms, um, he was a preseason darling. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's incredible flying around. And uh, he continues to bring a physical uh, nature and demeanor to that secondary that is pretty fun to see opposite uh, Jesse Bates. So Helms, I want to give a shout out as well. Yeah, I don't know why this hasn't updated. Usually you can get the on the box scores on uh, Pro Football Reference, but it, it hasn't updated. I'm very curious to see the... Uh the snap counts because Helens was out there a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note, we're going to get out of here where we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, we'll, we t- we'll talk more um, upcoming games. So the Falcons have are at the New York jets. The jets are certainly a beatable team right now. Um, you can expect a very similar game plan, not to be too much of a spoiler, but just don't lose it. And you can beat the, beat the jets. Don't give them anything and you can beat the jets. The jets offense is God awful. You lose to the jets by beating yourself. Yeah, you need to protect yeah. the ball like it's your life. Uh, it's one of those ones. What is the thing where they like uh, dress the football as a baby, right? You got to keep it with you the whole time. You know, the, the coach in the hallway. If you don't have that football with you, if it gets stolen from you, you're running laps. So I expect uh, that kind of g- uh, game plan and emphasis from the Falcons. If you protect the ball, you win the game. Book dog comes in. I like this. D. Alford was was back too, and he makes a difference on this. You make a difference to us. Thank you for being here. I want to say thank you to John Harrell who came in with a super chat. Thank you, my friend. Mark Wilson as well. Always a big part of the chat. And Edward Brown, thank you for our super chat superstars. We certainly appreciate the support. You, you, I can't, I've never said that right. You show our show. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. Um, And I did want to say one more thing. I know we got to get out of here for the Broncos, um, but the, I know there's a little bit of hand wringing with Arthur Smith and the offense in general and Desmond Ritter, but this was a very, low drive output game. I believe there was only 19 drives available in the entire game. So to score, what was it? 24 points uh, over that uh, was a gosh, where's the 17 is what Falcons fans will tell you because seven of them came from Jesse Bates. 
they still count, you know, <laughs> no, nobody, nobody should make excuses for that, but 24 points over 10 drives is not terrible. And when you left some on the field too. So it's always important to understand the context of the rates. And when you only have uh, 19 drives in the game entirely, uh, that's something that uh, you were scoring per position, uh, per possession, which counts. Stop turning the ball over. Yeah. Just, just stop. I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. You know, it's not possible to just completely stop, but come on, man, you can't have two or three a game from the same guy. Just can't. No, that's, that's got to stop. You cannot play in this league continually. If you're going to give the ball away, twice a game you can't do it unless you are unbelievable in other aspects of yeah, the unless game. you're throwing four touchdowns a game yes like if but, you're josh you know, allen a, a one-to-one touchdown to interception ratio or a turnover to interception ratio ain't gonna cut it no and i don't think it's even one-to-one right now i think he's negative there's not a high enough volume of explosive pass plays and no. touchdowns that uh can overcome the turnover worthy plays it's not a josh allen situation so we're going to hop out of here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Come and see us on Wednesday. We will dive into the Jets and we'll, we'll you know, with former Denver Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett still there, uh, we'll have some fun with that one. Um, you know, and, and I don't mean to, I could invite the Jets fans in here and they will pile on with us. I'm not trying to take this out on Jets fans. They'll be as hard on Nathaniel Hackett and Robert Sala as anyone. Trust me. We'll have some fun with that one as we look forward to the Jets game. Enjoy the Saints victory. And being in first place of the NFC South, because right now, who cares about the rest of the NFL? You're undefeated in the NFC South. No one can take that away from you. On that note, we're out of here. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for being here, everybody. Y'all have a great rest of your week. Peace.